0: I'm not going to lie to you, man. I I feel like that one got away. Nonetheless, the NBA Finals are tied at two games apiece through four. Wild trio of games. Wild pair of games to come. Perhaps even three more. Welcome into Full Court Press. I'm Liam Griffin. And we brought a Warriors fan on last week in the form of Adam Campos. We thought we'd do the same thing again by bringing on San Diego native. Yes. yes. Mr. Yes. Ryan Bridges. Yes. And Come
1: on. William! Um, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm running my own podcast this summer, so it's nice to be on the other end be a guest. So I appreciate you having me on. I just want to jump ahead and uh, say that real quick.
0: Yeah, man. I'm excited to have you on. Before we get into the elephant in the room, I want right. to b- very briefly hit on hockey. Avalanche yeah. sweep the Edmonton Oilers. Oh, boy. And the Tampa Bay Lightning went three in a row to go up three to two on New York. So I'll start right. with... Let's start with Colorado. I mean, mm-hmm. they just decimated Edmonton. I mean, Mike Smith and goal is not the answer. No, definitely <laughs> not. I mean,
1: man, I, the, the Avs were just they just played so much faster, I feel like. I feel like they were just um man, they uh they were just quick. They were uh they were on it. I mean, I don't know. I I couldn't see Edmonton, you know, you know winning the series, but a sweep? Yeah, I don't know about that. That was a and you mentioned you mentioned
0: Colorado playing faster. I think that's kind of ironic, considering Edmonton has arguably the two fastest players in hockey, in McDavid and Dreisaitl. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. what gives? I mean, Colorado's depth showed. Mike Smith showed. Yes, Mike Smith has made some flat-out remarkable saves at times. However, right. he has also let in some absolute pumpkins. Heck, I was a better field hockey, or excuse me, floor hockey goalie in middle school than what I'm seeing out of him right now. So, right, right. with that in mind, I mean, Colorado has been the clear-cut favorite to win the West all year. This kind of feels mm-hmm. overdue. Right. Now, shifting to the East, the New York mm. Rangers, you disappoint me, man. So, you're up 2 nothing in Game 3. I have an opportunity to take real command of the series, and you mm. let Tampa get back into it. Then you lay two straight duds in Games 4 and 5. We're kind of getting to the point where I'm more sick of the Lightning than I ever was of the Warriors. Huh.
1: Yeah, and it's funny that you compare the two because I feel like both teams, and I'll just touch on the lightning real quick, but especially in Game 5, it just felt like Tampa was just hanging on for dear life. Um, New York had way more you know, opportunities, um, certainly in the first and second period. I don't know about the third, but certainly in the first and second. And, man, I mean, New York, uh, they, they really had more shots. Uh, I think Paul, he missed one. Um, he had come, one coming across. I just missed it with the start. Yeah,
0: there was was the play in game five where they were right on the doorstep and couldn't capitalize. Like, yeah, I mean, how do you expect to win when that happens?
1: No, yeah. I mean, they they let that – they literally let it get by them. They let the puck, you know, roll right (laughs) – skate across right by them. Uh, Man, I I mean, I will say New York has been here in the first round. They were here in the second round. They're here again in the third round. They've been down at least 3-2 in each series. They've been down down
0: 3-2 in all three now.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's not uncharted territory. Uh, but Tampa's a tough place to play. They have all the experience and uh, man they're good at home. So and
0: Tampa <sighs> Tampa isn't what Pittsburgh was, it isn't what Carolina right. was. Tampa is a two time defending Stanley Cup champion. And Going for three, yeah. they didn't have a great regular season because they're still meshing that new roster, but I will say I don't think Tampa has had the hardest route. They got to go through playoff frauds in Toronto, then they got to go through more playoff frauds in Florida. Now they're really playing peaking at the right time against this Rangers yeah. team that this young Rangers team, by the way, that just wants to steal the Thunder. I wanna see it happen, but I think the Lightning win game six today. Sadly no, no. sad I, as I, it I, be. I think
1: I think so too. And I mean I don't know about you, but I don't I don't think New York could beat Colorado. I think oh, neither do
0: you. I. Neither do I. I think Tampa would have a far better chance.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, Colorado's probably praying for, you know, uh, a Rangers win, but uh, I don't even oh, know. Oh, I even. will
0: say, if Tampa right. ends up playing Colorado, I like Colorado's chances.
1: Can I, right, confidently, right,
0: right. can I confidently pick them to win? Probably not. But I think they'd have a much better chance than – any other team in the National Hockey? I mean, let's League be honest.
1: Tampa, Tampa, Colorado is what we all want to see.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um,
1: we love the Rangers. They've had a great year, but I, I don't. I don't think uh mad at the
0: The NHL has probably been begging for Avs lightning all season long.
1: Yeah. No, all yeah, right. They, well, it's, yeah.
0: As fun as it is to talk puck, I mean, there's another thing called the NBA Finals going on right now, <laughs> and two of us have the two of us have teams involved in it. Let's start with game two. Right. It was in the first half, so it was tight-knit throughout the first half, but you got Mm -hmm. this inkling that the Warriors were going to run away with it because, let's be honest, the Celtics did not look good at all, but it was more the Warriors' bad play than the Celtics' good play, keeping it close, because they blew three consecutive layups at one point in the first quarter, and they go into the locker room up two at the half. Mm -hmm. Then... The cat comes out of the bag. Golden State outscores Boston thirty-five to fourteen in the third quarter, the yeah. biggest margin in franchise history in fit in their favor. So, after game two, like I believe I tweeted out a few stats. Tatum was minus thirty-six, but after game two, and we'll dissect it fully in a minute. The first yeah. thought was we've got a long way to go.
1: Right No, it, it was I want. I do want to just touch on the J- Jason Tatum stat because I saw that stat few other places if you're the star player on a losing team in the nba finals you're going to be playing minutes in the fourth quarter when you're getting blown out so i don't i wouldn't overblow it tatum has not had a good series and we'll touch more on him maybe a no. bit later um you know and how you know even if they do win is he really going to get the final seven p we'll touch on that in a second but what i would say about game two is i mean it was just a pride thing for golden state they had to have that game and you mentioned a cat got out of the bag i think it was jordan Poole because he had an <laughs> awful game one and while he only scored his points when the Warriors were up 10 to 15, they were still big points. It helped him, you know, break out of his shell before he went back into it in game three. But, I mean,
0: um, no, yeah. that <laughs> shot like, at the end of the third quarter. I mean, just like... Boston I, fans just like, they just hit the, the off. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, my jaw, I just, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. And, you know, you, met, you mentioned Jordan Poole, how he really started to come alive. Yeah. He... He's the X factor going forward because if he can put up those 15 points per game that he was putting up in the regular season, Boston Mm -hmm. doesn't really have that elite scoring guy off the bench. Now, Derek White has been phenomenal really all postseason, really elevated offensively when the conference finals hit, but he's more of a defensive-oriented guard, whereas Jordan Poole, ever since he hit that buzzer beater from Michigan in the tournament a few years ago, yeah, he's been known as a shooting point guard and we've seen that yeah. all series. He's been jacking up shots to a varying degree of success.
1: Yeah, and it hasn't had a great success rate um, no. through the four games with I mean, through through just game games like one and two. um, You got the sense that Boston still like controlled the tempo. I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of dictated that even when the Warriors were up. I still feel like Boston, you know, they came out in game two. I think Tatum and Brown each had 13 in like the first quarter or something like that. Or maybe the third first, first half. half first I mean, half. they came out, they were, they were on it, right? So, I mean, it really looked like you know the Celtics, you know, but third quarter Warriors came again. For something happens, you know, out of that timeout, out of that that break. Um, Derek White said it, I think, uh, after game two, he's like, it was drilled into our heads, it was drilled in our heads before the series. It was drilled in their heads at halftime of game one, after game one, halftime of game two, and it still didn't register. And so the Warriors really just put it on them. Um, You know, once Steph and Jordan Poole hitting those deep 3s I mean, man, I mean, it's hard to keep that crowd out of it after that. They get fired up by the three-pointers because that's what they're used to seeing in the Chase Center. Um, It's not quite the environment that Oracle was, and I think that's part of the reason why they dropped the game. But – you know, it it still gets really loud in there. And uh, you the mentioned the you
0: mentioned the third quarter through right. the first two games of that series. Hold on, I can do this. It was plus fourteen in game one, then plus twenty one in game two. Golden State <laughs> was plus thirty five in the third quarter over the first two games of the series. Yeah, that is preposterously unacceptable if you're Boston. Yeah. And then I'll just go ahead and say it: it's plus forty nine, even though it hasn't been as big of a factor in either game three or game four. But I mean, that third quarter lost game two. I mean, that's the story with the Celtics. Like one bad quarter has derailed them in a lot of their playoff losses this year. Like mm-hmm. you look at That's a great point. You look at you look at the third quarter of game one against Milwaukee. You look at the third right. quarter of game one against Miami. You look at the first quarter of game three against Miami and yeah. I'll even throw the fourth quarter of game six against the Heat too. That third sure. quarter was Arguably the worst it's ever been because Boston was still in every single one of those games. Except Mm -hmm. for maybe game one against Milwaukee. Golden State is not going to let you get away with those mistakes like Miami and Milwaukee did occasionally. They have far more championship medal than either of those teams. And I know that's ironic since the Bucs just won the title. But you've only done it once. This group has done it three. Very well could have been four or five times.
1: And what the Warriors are great at doing... And I don't want this to seem like an insult because I am a Warriors fan and I, I I do understand what, what, what this actually means now, but Golden State is great at front running. When they have a lead, they're extremely hard to beat, but when they're down, it's very hard for them to come back. That's why, you know, sometimes it's just about keeping it close, you know, with them because once they get that lead, they know how to play with the lead so well. They know how to defend without fouling. They're very disciplined. You know, and teams like you know, Milwaukee, Miami, maybe don't know how they might know how to come back better than Golden State, but no team I think plays the lead better than And Golden they've State.
0: known how to play with the lead for years. That's what's make them that's what makes them so yeah. dangerous. They've been doing this since twenty fifteen when Warriors fans actually became Warriors fans. Sorry, had to sorry I had to get that shot in there.
1: It's fair, it's fair. It's, fair. it's gonna but, happen with any guys. Kind of yeah, go ahead.
0: It's I mean, you can't make mistakes against this team. Steve Kerr is too good of a coach. Steph Curry is too good of a player. The best point guard this league has ever seen. There's, there's no, yeah. Who? I mean,
1: I mean, I definitely the we've seen. I don't know about other people, older people, but I mean,
0: obviously, obviously, the Gen Xers are gonna make the case for Magic, but yeah. All right. Well, let's. All right. Let's shift into Game Three. Celtics win it one sixteen to one hundred. What were you thinking after that game?
1: My God. Um, what was I thinking? I I was thinking, how did we get up with two minutes left in the third quarter and we were down 12 three minutes into the fourth? Like, how did that happen? But I watched the game back, I read some people on I read some articles and I realized it. It was Stephen Curry. I mean, he turned the ball over three times in probably like 80 seconds. And oh my God. And so they, of course, it leads to six points on the other end. And I mean, man, we just, we completely lost it. But again, I mentioned that Jordan Poole, you know, he came out of his shell in game two, he went right back into, you know, his shell and built it over his head and he trapped him in there because I mean, he was nowhere to be found. They took out Steph probably with two minutes left in the third quarter. And, you know, they're like, Hey, Jordan Poole, you have this one point lead. Let's get to the third quarter and we can bring Steph back in. He's gonna play the whole fourth quarter. And what does he do? I think they lost the lead, and they never got it back.
0: Yeah, the thing about Game 3 for me, at least from the Warriors' point of view, was that they were very inconsistent offensively. There were times when they went on three, four-minute stretches when they looked absolutely lifeless. And then there was one possession where they had seven points on a single possession. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah. Granted, actually, no, that was the right call. I'm not going to – reffing is a sour-tit topic, especially – considering the three-year anniversary of the Game 5 Bruins thing just popped up a few years ago. I'm getting off topic. That's how stressed I am right now. I know. I mean, it was certainly encouraging to see some of the – it was encouraging to see Tatum finally play well despite the lingering shoulder issue. I mean, Jalen Brown has been phenomenal all series, but that was his best overall game. Then Marcus Smart. Here's the stat for you. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum – we the mm-hmm. first trio with 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists all together right. individually in a finals game since Magic, Kareem, and Michael Cooper. That's yep. going back to 1984. 38 years, we haven't seen anything like that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think the Warriors, and I'll just touch on Smart just for a second. The Warriors are playing the percentages. They're looking at these three guys on the floor. They're looking at Robert Williams as the lob threat. Al Horford can do stuff inside also shoot the three along with Derek white. They're looking at the percentages, right? And they're like, okay, Marcus smart. That's probably the guy we're going to leave open, but we've seen throughout the series, some very capable offensive player. And he really took over game three. I I mean, we, we touched a lot on offensive players, Jordan Poole, you know, Marcus smart on offense, Tatum, Curry, all that stuff. And we will, we continue. We'll, you know, we'll keep doing that. Right. But man, Robert Williams inside. I mean, it's it just in game three. I think he might've been the most valuable player on the floor because if he wasn't even there, even at like the 50 or 60% he's playing at, right. I mean, they would not have won that game because Steph, you know, he could get inside, he can penetrate. He still has that burst. Clay Thompson doesn't quite have it, but -hmm. Steph does have that burst. And when he can go inside, Robert Williams would send it into the third row. Yeah. It's unbelievable. It's
0: unbelievable. What a healthy Robert Williams does. For this Celtics team, and we'll because touch he's not so healthy. and we'll touch on his game four performance in a minute. But right. even in game three, like he was so disruptive defensively. I think he had four yeah. blocks in the game, mm-hmm. unheard of. Now, although I I do want to give credit to the Warriors on one hand because for the first time, seemingly this entire series, in game three, Clay Thompson finally showed some semblance of being able to shoot the ball. Like he was making those catch and shoot threes in transition. He was showing. Mm-hmm an build a better ability to attack the basket. Like he was a no non factor offensively in in the games in San Francisco. Now he comes out of his shell in game three, he's a threat again.
1: Yeah. No, no. And I, I said this on um I said this on a different podcast um that I recorded uh before game three. And I did it with Adam Campos, who actually you had yep. as your previous guest. Yep. and go. I said it's something I don't know what it is, but I think when Clay goes to Boston, he's just going to be ignited by this crowd, the road environment. It's just going to allow him to narrow in on the game. I don't know what it is. I'm just—I'm completely going out of limb. I don't have data to back this up, but I was just like, I just think Clay Thompson is going to play better on the road. That's just it. And I think because of the change of scenery, he hasn't been in Boston in a Finals matchup. You know, he can f- kind of forget everything. They're like, okay, this is a clean slate. I haven't been here in a big, meaningful game before. And let me just go out, play how I know how to play. I'm in a whole different environment. And I just think that helped him. It's just kind of narrow in on what he's got to do. So I I think Clay just going on the road, I don't know what it was, but I think it just really, really helped him.
0: Yeah, and it had been over three years since Clay Thompson had played in Boston. And it's no secret that the Boston crowd is among the most passionate in the game. (laughs) We'll get into that in a little bit. But, I mean... It's not Toronto. It's not Cleveland. No disrespect to either of those fan bases, but it's not Boston in terms of level of fan engagement or hostility. That's not to say their fan bases aren't passionate, but this is Boston. I mean, they have 17 championships, hoping to make it 18. They are arguably the most storied franchise in the history of the league. So, I mean, he's walking into hot water and... He has embraced it fully. And I got to give credit to him or credit to Zio because these past two games, he's looked like an entirely different figure well, than what he I mean, looked I'll like. Say,
1: in... I'll say he's embraced on the court. Oh, we yeah. You can touch on this now if you want to, but I don't know if he's embraced off the court, if you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I do want to quickly hit on Okay. why he's acting in this way. So let's just say Boston fans haven't exactly greeted Draymond Green warmly. And I'm just <laughs> going to go ahead and say it. Rightfully so. I mean, the man got away with seemingly everything after he picked up that first tech in game two, tackling (laughs) Grant Williams, using Jalen Brown as a footrest. Bridges, how can you defend this guy?
1: I listen, listen, I said it, and Adam said it too. Like, he did he deserve a second tech? Yes. But as like a basketball fan, right, like you look back on this series, right? If you look back let's say Boston wins it five or six games, right? And the Warriors go down 0-2, you know, because Draymond Green gets kicked out of a game. It's like, what is the conversation going to be in the media? What are you going to hear all summer long? Oh, what if Draymond just played in game two? You know, would they have won the series? And I think the NBA was just like, we don't want that. Like, we don't want a call on our end to decide the series. I know he probably did deserve it, but they were just put in a tricky situation. That's what they made. As a Warriors fan, I I mean, I can't not be biased and be like, oh, yeah, Draymond should have been out there. But, I mean, deep down, I know, like, that is a technical foul. Like, you know, if one guy's name is, you know, Mike Smith and the other is, you know, Thomas Wayne, you know, I mean, and we don't know who they are, right, then you see something like that. You know, you see guys getting tackled and stuff, you're going to call two T's on on maybe both players, maybe just one. Um, But because there's the name Draymond Green and there's the name – you know, Marcus Smart, you know, who he got t- tangled up with, or Jalen Brown, whoever. It was, it was Jalen Brown.
0: It was Jalen Brown. It
1: was Jalen Brown. And it was Derek White. And then it was Graham Williams. But you get my point. Yeah. Like, if you don't know the names of the players, they probably, he's probably kicked out of the game. But because his name's Draymond Green, they're like, okay, it's Draymond. It happens. You know, we don't want to be the reason they go down 0 2. That's, that's just part of my thinking. You can disagree with it, but that's just. Oh, I no, see.
0: I and Jeff Van Gundy actually made this point on the broadcast, too. Like, mm-hmm. the NBA doesn't want to kick him out because you know what it's going to cost them? Mm-hmm. Fresh powder. They're not going to rake in their TV ratings that they would with Draymond Green, that they would without Draymond Green. So they'll also make
1: it a shorter series. Yeah, that too. That, that too.
0: that too, and that's what, and this is kind of irrelevant, but it kind of is at the same time. I right. could not believe my eyes when I saw Scott Foster on Game 3 the nick the referee that has been nicknamed the extender reffing a game in a tie series just didn't feel right you know what i mean but yeah. i will i will take this to the bank right now if he is not reffing game 6 i will be dead surprised
1: yeah i mean well i mean obviously it's going to depend on probably what uh, what happens game 5 yeah. uh you know it will touch on that in a second but as far as game three, just specifically, I mean, we blame the refs a lot in game two. I feel like game three was pretty well called.
0: I agree. Um, I agree. I don't
1: know. I don't know about game four. Oh. We'll touch on it, but yeah. I think game three was pretty well ref. I think that was fair. Um, I couldn't, like, we didn't deserve to win the game. I watched the game. Boston played faster. The crowd was into it. You know, they they were just, they were physically dominant. Um Draymond played awful. Steph didn't play well in the fourth quarter. That decided the game.
0: Yeah. I mean, and game three, I'm gonna, I'm three, just,
1: three out of any other game, I think that like, you can confidently say, like, the better team just won.
0: I'm just going to go out and call out Sam Corcoran right now because he had the audacity to go on Twitter <laughs> during the game and say, the refs have been favored heavily towards the Celtics in games three and game four. Game four, maybe. Steph Curry got. Steph Curry was harassed all night. I, I, wasn't really even At, I was going to bring
1: up that. I was going to bring up something else, but... Uh, okay,
0: okay, if you were going to bring up something else, you can touch on it in a minute, but... Yes. Game three, <laughs> like, dude, I mean... Also, did you watch games one and two with Draymond? I mean, that just felt... I don't want to say immature, but I'm going to say immature since he's my buddy, but... I mean, stop being so biased, my friend.
1: No, I mean, listen, I learned a long time ago. It's just much, much better, um... If you just, you just watch the game, you can disagree with the call in the moment, but just let it go, and there's always something you can do. There's always something you can do, like, just in the game, you know, whether it's before or after, to make up for a call. Yeah, and I'm or, even going to – always flip. something you can do as a basketball team.
0: And, um, Eden, and I so think,
1: that's what I've just – I think this you know.
0: applies for all sports too, Ryan, because you look back at the Saints-Rams thing with that exactly. – probably the worst call we've ever seen, but –
1: but Drew, they choked in overtime. But Drew Brees threw a pick pick in overtime.
0: So yeah. yeah, you have every right to be mad. Yeah, you probably got screwed over, but at the same time, you had your chance to make up for it and you blew it.
1: You can't you can't go back and change it. And so no. I mean that's that's just how I watch the game. It just makes it so much easier in my mind. I hate these these comments on Instagram saying, Oh, Celtics are rest, warriors are stressed. Shut up, watch the game. You don't ref the game. It's so much harder than you think it is. It's these are bang bang calls, they're happening like that quick. Even with replay, it's still tough to 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 to, to tell. Sorry, um, and I mean, fans just got to shut up, stay out of the game. You know, their players are going to complain about calls because they're emotional, they're fired up, they're running around. And the only you're a fan, you're on your couch.
0: The and only like, way, the only off. thing you can do to nullify a bad call is actually go out and play well. And I mean, the Warriors did that certainly tonight. We'll get into that in a minute. All right, before we get into Game Four. Yes. We need to set the scene a little bit because after game three, or I, maybe I should go start with during game three, Boston uh-huh. fans were chanting Draymond sucks and "F you Draymond all yeah. night long. Clay yeah. Thompson goes into the postgame presser, says something along the lines of, we've played in front of rude fans before, real classy, nice job Boston. But <laughs> Clay Thompson, let me tell you this, and I'm actually going to directly quote you. Sometimes people's feelings just get hurt. Yep,
1: 2016.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. And, uh, and that did not work
1: out well for him either. And, and back in 2016, and that, and now.
0: <laughs> so that's what take. That's why. That's what I take issue with is that, like yeah, like we've talked about, Boston fans are incredibly hostile. But yeah, every single bloody fan base across the National Basketball Association is going to have those types of fans. Yeah. Granted, in a Boston or a New York City, as we've seen over the past few days, mm -hmm. there are going to be more of them than a San Francisco, which is still a fairly big market, but not as big as the New Yorks or the Bostons of the world. Yeah. And, you know, you're not used to hearing that in Toronto or Cleveland where you've played in the finals previously. Welcome to Boston, kid. This is what it's like. I mean, yeah, there were kids in the crowd. The kids were probably chanting along with it.
1: I mean, I think, I think they mean like the, the the kids of the players, right? Like, you know, for instance, like Steph Curry, if he's got kids there, Draymond, oh, you know, we see his son running around. Listen, the thing is, is like, I mean, th- there's a line with, you know, what you can do at a sports game. Like, I, I don't, I think there's been times where fans have crossed the line, but then again, that's like a very select few of fans. Like when someone spits on a player, that's unacceptable. You cannot do that you you know you make any physical contact with the player you say you know any like really vulgar things wish death on family like family members stuff like that like that's that's past the line but i don't think it's too far if every fan base does it to for just like an f you chant. i mean especially if you're if you're gonna be a grown man and you're gonna get paid millions of dollars to play in <laughs> front of these people i think you should have you know have some thick skin Realize this is the toughest environment in the NBA to play. I'll definitely give that to Boston. That is the toughest. That's the toughest place I've ever seen the Warriors play. Yeah, uh, I think Toronto back in 2019, like that was, that was crazy. I've never seen them play in a place like this. I don't think I've ever seen a more gritty win than what they just got in game four. We'll touch on that in a second. Yeah, but so I think this play- is probably the toughest place to play in the NBA. And I think Clay's just gotta understand, like you go a Boston, you're gonna hear this.
0: What I want to know is what Clay thought he was going to gain by saying that. What did he think what good did he think was gonna come out of that? I mean
1: maybe maybe it helps him. Maybe, maybe it, it does, maybe it does, maybe fact, it adds said, fuel to the fire,
0: but it reminds me of that Stephen A meme from seven years ago about KD, when he says, You don't wanna make an enemy out of me. You do not want to make an enemy. Out of me, comments like that are going to drive a fan base crazy, especially one as passionate as Boston.
1: They're gonna make it's gonna like it only made it
0: only it's only gonna make life tougher. We think.
1: I mean, yeah, it is. I mean, we don't know what it's like in Clay Thompson's head. Maybe he feeds off the crowd. I think he does feed off the crowd, and I I think that's why you know I said that earlier. Where oh you know he handled it well on the court, but maybe off the court he doesn't handle it well. I mean, at the end of the day, if he handles it on the court, like is that the only
0: thing that matters? Yeah, so. I mean, he certainly handled it well on the court tonight. I can't deny that. All right, I'm bringing it up. Game four, Warriors win 107-97. to 97. Steph Curry goes off for 43 points. As much as you want to talk about that, the first, as the game was winding down, I thought to myself, this got away in a hurry. The Warriors outscored the Celtics 17 to 3 over the final five minutes. 17 to 3. Sorry if that wasn't clear. Over the final five minutes. That's unacceptable in an NBA finals game on your home court. Yeah, I mean,
1: man, I, I don't I to be honest, I don't know what happened. Like I, I kind of blacked out, you know, we go if we go down 3-1, series is over. We're not it. we're not beating Boston's defense three times in a row. So this this was the series for Golden State. And I said it after game three, you know, Boston, they just have more like good, like just scoring pieces than we do. Otto Porter, from from all I see, can only shoot threes. Well,
0: Louis, oh well. Louis. I let me just say this about Otto Porter, and yeah. you and I know this well because we're Syracuse fans. When right. you go to Georgetown, you're probably not as good as you, you're made out to be. I just want to throw that out there.
1: <laughs> no, that, that's fair. That's fair. It's not like Georgetown players at all. But in this case, I will say... Otto Porter from what it looks like. Can't shoot threes Looney while he's a good rebounder, not a very good off. I mean, he's built up somewhat of a mid-range game. I've seen him this year, with lots of waddle warriors basketball. I've seen him improve, but against Boston's defense and Robert Williams, like that, that stuff's not going to go in. I think, you know, besides Andrew Wiggins, Jordan Poole, and I would say Stephen Curry, who are, who are like guys who can do all three things, who can facilitate, you know dribble got by guys, you know, and they can shoot. And I think those are the only three guys they got. And if they can keep, you know, if they keep those three guys in check, right, what they did in game three, um, I mean, everybody else on the court can't score, um, you know, the way they want to. So that I'm getting to the point here, what I'm trying to say is like, they're so reliant on Steph, right? And I'm, I'm, I, he can't play good in this series for them to win. He has to play great. He has to be brilliant for, for, I would say, at least three quarters of the game and absolutely the fourth quarter. That is just a must. If he's not great in every single fourth quarter, from here on out, they might lose this series. Because even, like, he can't play good. He has to play great. That was the number one thing. You can say everything about, oh, Jordan Poole's not doing this and blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, they're not the guy that a lot of people are calling top 10 all time it's you steph and if you want to be mentioned in that pantheon of players you got to show up this was his big finals moment um you know this is where guys make their mark everyone can point you know to a signature moment you know in a big game from a great player like that this is steph's moment i think this might be top of the line of his career because he doesn't have a kevin durant he doesn't have there's no injuries on the other team You know, some guys are banged up, but it's the finals. Everybody's banged up at this point. You know, there's nothing, you know, coming off of that injury he had in game three and doing this, I think this might be the signature moment of his career. I'm going to say it.
0: I I don't think that's a hot take whatsoever. I mean, Curry had 43 points. The rest of the Warriors lineup had 39. But that's not to say they didn't contribute. And that's the Warriors starting on it, by the way. That's not to say they didn't contribute in other ways. Andrew Wiggins had 16 he rebounds. He was huge. I could not believe my ears when Mike Breen said, that's the 15th rebound for Wiggins. I'm just like, uh what? Andrew Wiggins is a good player, but not good enough to where he should be getting 16 rebounds, especially when you have Rob Williams on your team. Golden State out rebounded Boston 55 to 42 tonight. That'll work. Yeah, that that'll get the job done. That'll work. So I mean God. As many mistakes. I couldn't
1: say enough about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, he, I, he, he was phenomenal
0: it. tonight. So as much as, <clears throat> as many mistakes as Boston made, I don't really think Boston won tonight. I think Steph Curry won it for Golden State.
1: Ah, uh, that that's tough. I mean, Boston didn't play a perfect game by any stretch of the imagination. No. You know, I, sixteen I, turnovers. I don't know. By the way, I, they did miss a lot of shots coming down the stretch. They went really cold. Um, can I just say real quick though, Go what, for it. as we start to talk about Boston, like Jalen Brown's one of the best tough shot makers I've ever seen. Like this guy's a better tough shot maker than Tatum. Like I'm talking about just tough oh, shots put in the basket. He, he, you know, if anybody is going to take, you know, a contested shot on that Boston team, I don't want it in Jalen Brown's hands. And I don't know how every single time Tatum or smart, they push it down the floor and what they do, they just throw it over their head. And magically, he's wide open on the other side. I mean, it's it's crazy. I I don't want the ball in anybody's hands but Jalen Brown. Even get it give it to Tatum. Like I've been so worried about Jalen Brown this entire series. He was phenomenal tonight. Uh, I mean, if if they were to win this game, he gets the Finals MVP. He's I still been, say you know if Boston wins, he gets it. He, he's definitely the Finals MVP. I would Tatum. give it
0: to him at this point too because Tatum was eight for twenty three from the field tonight. He has been wildly inconsistent, turning it over like crazy. Yeah, he's been awful. So it's... Jason Tatum, if you're listening to this, I know you're a big listener of the pod. Time for you to step it up, because yes. let's be real. You're not playing like the Jason Tatum we know and love right now. All right. Now we're going to get a little micro. I'm going to be honest. I thought the Boston crowd was going to be a lot harsher towards Clay, but I don't, it was just booze, and I think there was one FU chant mixed in there, but... To be honest, I expected it to be worse. So, credit to the Boston crowd for taking it easy.
1: I mean, I I, I don't know. I think um, I think the first time you know a home a home team like sees it, or a, a crowd sees a series, you know that's when they're the most loud. I thought you know game one the Warriors fans are always you know more hype because it's game one. You know everyone's just it's their first time seeing the matchup, seeing the Curry threes go in. You know Boston you know Boston fans hadn't seen their team you know in a minute because game 7 was in Miami so it was our first time seeing the game beating the warriors in a big finals game uh and i just think you know they were ignited by that but i think like the warriors in general they made the boston fans uncomfortable because it was a nip and tuck game the warriors had the lead then boston had the lead and when you see that kind of back and forth you know and a team can't just coast when they're up 12 10 You know, and you know their 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 smallest lead, I should say, is like five points. The Boston fans were able to just feel comfortable in that building and just go as crazy as they wanted because there was no fear that the Warriors were going to win that game. At no point, you watch Game Three, you think they're going to win that game. I think Boston fans, you know, saw the first quarter like, oh, this is a different game. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: And I think you can even acknowledge it as a as a Boston fan, like, absolutely, absolutely, like this this game just has a different energy to it.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. It certainly felt that way, and, you know, Steph Curry's three-point shot-making, particularly in the third quarter, kind of drowned the energy out a little bit. I mean, they were lifeless yeah. for the last five minutes of the fourth quarter because—or I would even say the entire fourth quarter because for every punch Boston made, there was always a counter punch, oftentimes even to a higher degree. So, I mean— I'll be very curious to see how Golden State's crowd welcomes Boston on Monday. Do am I expecting a harsh one? Absolutely not. But am no, I expecting no. a friendly one? No way.
1: No, no. I, I mean, it, it would just be loud. You know, I think with with Golden State fans, it's not going to be like a collective. You know, like f you. you. might get. We, we always have these like one or two rational, rational fans, whether it's in the Oracle, the Chase Center, whatever. But I mean in no way is the whole crowd gonna be like f you um it it won't be a united thing uh listen the warriors play well the crowd will be into it at the end of the day like i mean the warriors the celtics i think both teams feel relatively comfortable in the chase center and um it will just be about who plays better i mean at the end of the day they're fans it's the nba finals like let's go you guys you just got to play well this is it you're playing for a championship and they just come with higher stakes, and you just gotta embrace it.
0: Yep. Yes, you do. So. Right. Otto Porter Jr. started over Kevin Looney, but Porter played fourteen thirty, Looney played twenty eight oh nine. So I don't really know what Steve Kerr was thinking when he made that change. Maybe he just wanted to throw Boston off balance at the start of the game, a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. And Kevin Looney was in there over on Porter jr down the line.
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't know the warriors do all this type of stuff, this type of stuff. I mean, it's not really, they don't really pay attention to who starts the game. Obviously they want their stars to start the game, but we, I think we've seen throughout these playoffs. It doesn't really matter to them. It doesn't matter how you start it just matters how you finish. They've used, they're used to being down in the first quarter of all these games. I mean, they're, they're used to it. Um, you know, in the first round series, Jordan Poole starts and Steph Curry, their best player, comes off the bench. So, I mean Well, to
0: be fair, Steph was coming off injury.
1: He was, but do you see how they they just don't care? I mean, he was playing like 34 minutes a night. So, of course he's getting starters minutes. He could of course be in the starting lineup, but they didn't want to mess up Jordan Poole. He was playing awesome in that first round series. I don't know where the where the where the hell he's gone. I almost just swore, but I don't know where the heck he's gone, right? I mean, but Listen, they're very comfortable. I mean, they started Gary Payton against Memphis. They've played with all types of lineups. They've started all types of different players. I think Dala got a start earlier in the playoffs. I could be wrong about that, but it felt like he did. Um, they, they don't really care about the starting lineup. They're used to be down in every first quarter. They're like, if we got our stars, we got our guys. They're playing the right amount of minutes. It doesn't really matter. And also, you know, what helps is that they want to play the right players, the entire fourth quarter, because they're like, you know what we've sucked in the fourth quarter of all of games, one and three, you know, the actual games that were close, we've sucked in the fourth quarter and we need all hands on deck in that quarter. We got to play 12 great minutes or else we're not winning. And so, that's
0: exactly what you did.
1: Yeah. And listen, I mean, I know you're not, um, I know you asked me about, you know, Kavan Looney versus Otto Porter. But I wanted to touch on just one thing real quick. Steve Kerr took out Draymond Green. Yeah. And he's a variety of different players. Tonight, I think this is a masterclass in Steve Kerr being a head coach. And I mean, this might have solidified him as one of the best coaches in the NBA, if not the best. Because I don't think what he did I think tonight. He already was solidified his, as one like, of them. He's like defensive stopper. I mean, like Draymond has been everything. And if you lose that game after taking out Draymond, the heat on you as a coach, I mean, the amount of backlash he would have faced is crazy, but it worked like a charm. The Warriors played awesome. They played better without Draymond, and Steve Kerr was perfectly right.
0: Yeah, I mean, absolute credit goes to Steve Kerr tonight. He out. He coached circles around Ime Udoka tonight, and Udoka's a great coach. He's been a great coach all playoffs, but...
1: It's his first one.
0: Yeah, it is his first one, but Steve Kerr proved why he is... Arguably the best coach in the NBA, not named Popovich. So, I think that coaching is going to be a gigantic factor down the line yeah. in this series. And we touched on Robert Williams briefly. I will throw it out there. He was fantastic tonight. But, yeah. story of the game, Wardell Stephen Curry. This may have been the best performance of his career, like we talked about. Yeah. Going forward... What is there like a benchmark you think he needs to hit for the Warriors to have success?
1: He just needs it at the right time. That's what I would say. As total points, uh I'd say 35. He's got to get to 35. We saw him get to 30 at the end of the at the end of the third quarter in game three. Had two points the rest of the way. Finished with 33, 32 Didn't work. Tonight. He, he had 35, you know, just – or 38 just from, like, you know, shots, and then free throws kicked in and he got to 43. So, I think, you know, in just great, you know, like normal minutes, non-free throws, he's going to have 35-38. I would say that. But he's got to have it in the fourth quarter. He can't score 35-33 going into the fourth quarter regardless of where they are. Yeah, that's regardless what happened, that's what happened in lost. game
0: – that's what happened in game one. He got all that's his points I mean, early.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So
1: that—that's what I think. I think, saying. I mean, I think, think it's an interesting. I think it's an interesting
0: thing to analyze. But I mean, if Clay Thompson plays like Game Six Clay uh-huh. on Thursday night, then that sort of mitigates the need a little bit. If Draymond <sighs> Green can actually remember how to score the basketball, then that also mitigates it as well. So, I mean, if. Steph hasn't had much help. I'll be real, he didn't have much help tonight. His performance was very reminiscent of Jimmy Butler's in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Heck, even Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. So, I mean, if your role players aren't going to show out, keep doing you, brother, for your sake. I hope you don't do that. But, I mean, if the Warriors I are going it. to win, it's going to be the I mean Curry. When I
1: say he's the only thing that can beat the Boston Celtics.
0: I agree. Warriors—they
1: don't have more athleticism. They don't have more length. They don't have better shooters. They—they they aren't. They don't play faster. I mean, the only thing the Warriors are—they have—they're the—they be- have the better coach and they have the better best player. They have the best yeah. player in the series and the best coach. That's the only thing they have. Well, Everything I will say
0: awesome those. There are two things that can beat the Celtics in this series. One of them—I lied. Three, three things that can beat the Celtics in this series. Steph Curry is one. Steve Kerr is the other. The third. Is the Celtics? The <laughs> Celtics are zero in six in the playoffs when they have sixteen or more turnovers. They had six. They had fifteen tonight. Or excuse me, one and six when they had fifteen or more. They had fifteen tonight. Right. Bridges, that's unacceptable to be to be turning the ball over so frequently, so repeatedly at this stage when of you're the postseason. They're a much more
1: athletic team, like the much more of like they are. Playing team.
0: They are, and they're also the much younger team too. I mean, that might be part of it. I mean, I think,
1: well, I mean, what I would say is, I mean, the Warriors, they do a great job of switching. They love doing that type of stuff. They don't have nearly the amount of bodies. I think Golden State, what they do a great job of, of is defending without fouling. You know, that's what they do a great job of. They try to make it so you take those half-balanced shots. They're, light, they're a lot like San Antonio. San Antonio used to do a lot of this. Um, you know, I, I Kobe Bryant wrote a book about this a long time ago about, like, his career and he said san antonio was so good at just making you take off balance shots making you think the contacts could come and it doesn't happen i think the warriors do such a great job without that with that too they just defend without fouling they try not to beat themselves they have done it in this series they they did beat themselves um in game three because they brought it back and then they, they choked in the fourth quarter but i mean boston beat themselves in this game but good thing for them they're 10 and 0 or 11 0 with off a loss. Yeah, and yeah, they, they haven't lost.
0: On. They haven't lost a game. They haven't lost back-to-back games back-to-back, once yep. this postseason. They've lost mm-hmm. back-to-back games once since the end of January, and the one time it happened, four starters were out. So I'm not really gonna punch my punch my hand into the wall off of that. Yeah. So, I mean, it's obviously encouraging, but game five at the Chase Center is an entirely different animal. In Golden State's NBA Finals at the Chase Center in Game Five. They're three and one. The one loss was the Draymond suspension back in 2016. One of them, yeah. they won the cha- championship off of in 17. Yeah, it's not going to be easy whatsoever. This may yeah. be the toughest game off a loss they've had the entire postseason. Mm-hmm,
1: definitely, it's no. It, I mean, I I will say Boston is they're ready for it. They played a game 7 in Miami after losing Boston. So, I mean, I think I think that will definitely prepare them. Um I hope our crowds into it, you know, I, I don't want to don't. bring up the crowds but I hope they're into it. Uh cuz they were they're, really into it in game the thing about, too.
0: The thing about the Celtics is that yes, they are very young, but they're also experienced. They've been in these situations before, not necessarily in the finals, but they're they've been there, but so has Golden State. So I want to end this asking you this Mm -hmm. at this time next week we'll probably we're gonna do another episode i don't know who it's gonna be with but Uh one week from now games five and six will be played what is the series like at that point is it over or is it three three i'm griffin
1: it's three three
0: i agree wholeheartedly
1: i don't know how it's gonna happen I don't know if Boston wins this and Golden State wins game 6. I don't know. Cuz I feel like with Golden State with their back to the wall, they're very very good. They're so elite. if Boston wins in game 5, it's not unlikely that the road team wins both these games.
0: I I, I mean, think that I think that's what's going to happen. I think Boston takes game 5 yeah. and Golden State takes game 6. This will both teams are undefeated off a loss in the postseason. Yeah. It stays that way going into a decisive game 7 at Oracle. <sighs> Oh boy, would that
1: my, my my heart would not be able to take a game seven. Like as much as I think it's my, it dude, might, dude. The
0: Celtics have had two game sevens this playoffs already. The Bruins had a game seven. You haven't had a game seven yet. So pump the brakes. And the last out. one
1: we had, we blew it. We absolutely yes, you blew did. It, so. Yes, you
0: did. No, it no, 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 no. It was one of the worst. The last days game, seven, no, no, no. The yeah. last game No, The last game seven you had was days of my life. The last game seven you had was the uh, Rockets game seven where they missed twenty seven uh, in a row. That's
1: right. That's right. I'm I'm, finals game seven. There you go. The last finals game seven we had was mortifying. And I do not like, I don't, I I love Steph Curry. This is his big moment, but can he like, there's a difference between a game four of a finals and a game seven. Like that's, yeah. that's the biggest stage in the whole sport. You have to be, you have to be playing at an insane level. Steph has cracked under the pressure and in late game, late series finals games, games five, six, seven, he has cracked under pressure. He did great tonight. He's got to continue to do it. To answer your original question, I'm going. You know what? I, I'm I'm going to take Golden State. Actually, I'm going to say Golden State Game Five. I got Boston Game Seven, okay. Game Six, and I'll I'll leave that be. I'll leave this. we
0: well by this time next week. We will know if either one of us is cracked, Ryan. Right. You're probably on cloud nine right now. I'm not. So thanks again for hopping on. It's been a heck of a lot of fun.
1: Liam, I appreciate you waiting for as long as you did after the game. Oh, uh, I tried to get you on. You're at, you're at twelve fifty three 1. AM. <laughs> it, uh, it's... This man's dedicated. Make sure you, uh, I also, I
0: also have to drive up to the Cape in the morning. So
1: <sighs> this man's dedicated. Make sure you guys go, uh, hit the like button, hit subscribe for Liam. And he's awesome.
0: Thank I appreciate you. him
1: having me on. Uh, he's been an awesome host. And uh, I'll sure, I'll be sure to have you on um, on the other end, uh, on mine. So I appreciate you.
0: Yes, sir, Ryan. For Ryan Bridges, I'm Liam Griffin. Follow us on Instagram at Full Court Press Podcast and on Twitter at Full cp Podcast. That's right. F-U-L-L-C-P Podcast. And if you want to be sitting in Ryan's chair, all you got to do is get in contact with me. I teased it earlier. Next week, We'll recap games five and six, preview Mm -hmm. a potential game seven. We'll also get you caught up on the hockey world. And if something comes up in baseball, we'll talk about that too. It's going to be awesome. We'll see you then.